0: Most everybody Thanks of October 31st. There's Halloween, but October 31st is also the 506th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. 506 years ago, Martin Luther put forward his 95 theses nailed to the church door. And uh, he wanted to to discuss and talk about the questions he had, and all he got was death threats for doing so. So it was... uh, not so different from today's cancel culture. You don't agree with what we say, uh, we'd rather uh, threaten you rather than to talk about it. But in the Protestant Reformation, he laid forward the principles that salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and that our authority comes from Scripture alone. The Bible, the 66 books of the Old Testament, And the New Testament, that is our authority, not traditions, not the uh, wisdom of men, uh, not the pronouncements of any church body, but the Bible itself. And also a key to the Reformation was the fact that Martin Luther talked about the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. That all believers are called to be priests, that no human priest is needed to go to God before us. Because with the crucifixion, the Bible tells us the temple and the, cur- and the, uh, the curtain and the curtain in the temple that covered up the holy of holies was split in half when Jesus died on the cross. In Hebrews 10 verses 19 and following says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Because Jesus died for us, we can have confidence to go directly to God and not have an intermediary between us. In fact, there's only one mediator between God and man, as First Timothy 2, five says, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And so Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That you can go before God confidently through the blood of Jesus, knowing that He hears your prayer, that He cares for you, that He loves you, that He will answer you. You don't have to tell somebody else and say, Hey, Mom, Dad, would you... Pray to God about this for me because I can't pray to Him. Or go to the pastor or somebody else. No, you can go straight before God and Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Well, you know what the truth is? While Martin Luther emphasized the priesthood of all believers, it's not just a priesthood of all believers, but the Bible calls us a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Now, was the promise he made to Israel, In Exodus 19 and verse 6, that's a promise made to Christians in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, that we are a royal priesthood before God. As the Scriptures we read from Revelation, He saved us to be a kingdom and priest. To be kings and priests to serve Him. And why not? Because Jesus Christ Himself was king and priest. He was king of kings and Lord of lords. He was the absolute high priest after the order of Melchizedek, as the Bible says. Jesus Christ was King of kings. He was descended of David according to the flesh, but He's Lord over all things. He's Lord over all. And one day He will return, King of kings and Lord of lords, to pronounce judgment on the world. And He's the great high priest that once for all time Once for all people, once for all sins, He made a sacrifice for sins on the cross in our place. And He made that without the blood, not with the blood of animals, but with His own blood. With His own blood, He bought the Church of God for Himself. And since Jesus Himself, the Son of God, is King of Kings and the great high priest in whom there's no need for any more sacrifice. The truth is, that if we believe in the Lord Jesus, then He calls you and me to be a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood before God. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean to be a royal priesthood? It means to be kings. What are kings? Kings have authority and kings have a crown. Since Jesus Christ is King of kings, by faith we become children of God, brothers of Christ Jesus, then we are royalty too with authority and power. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To everyone who received Him, Jesus Christ, to everyone who believed in His name, He gave the right, or the word means authority or power. It can mean any of those things. He gave us the right, the authority, the power to be children of God. Children of God. Revelation 2.26 says, To him who overcomes and does my work to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Authority over the nations. Second Timothy 2.11 says, If we guide with Him, we will live with Him. If we endure with Him, we will reign with Him. We'll be kings with Him with authority and power to reign. Revelation 3.11 says, I am coming soon. Jesus is speaking. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Your crown. We are kings with authority and with crowns. And how does the Bible describe this crown? Revelation 2.10 describes it as a crown of life. James 1.12 describes it as a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. To be a king is to have a crown of life, eternal life. Second Timothy uh, chapter four verse eight says there is now in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me but to everyone who has longed for his appearing. It's the crown of life, but it's also the crown of righteousness. Because no one can get into heaven unless you're righteous before God. And you cannot be righteous before God on your own, but only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a crown of life. It's a crown of righteousness. First Corinthians 9.25 describes it as a crown that lasts forever. Any kind of crown you can get in this world doesn't last forever. It'll fade away. It'll be gone. But it is a crown that lasts forever. First Peter 5, verse 4 calls it the crown of glory that will never fade away. It's a crown of life, of righteousness, of glory, and it lasts forever. It never fades away. And not only that, First Thessalonians 2, 9 describes the crown as the crown of the souls won to Christ. Paul writes and he says, For what is our hope, what is our joy, what is our crown, in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes. Is it not you? Paul says, I went to Thessalonica. I won you to Christ. You're our crown before God. Souls won to faith in Christ. Much of this description of being kings and of having crowns is future, but what about being kings now and having authority? Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 10 in your Bibles to see what it says. In this passage, Jesus had sent out 72 followers by twos to go into various villages and towns and preach the gospel and to perform miracles to heal people. And they came back, and uh, that's where we pick up Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He gives authority for us to live today before God. If you would turn your Bibles to Isaiah... 28, our scripture for today, Isaiah 28 and verse 5, and what it has to say there about having a crown and authority now. In Isaiah 28 and verse 5, it says, In that day the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. It says God is the crown. He will be a crown for us that we might act justly and do justice, but also that we might have strength to do what? To turn back the battle at the gate. And that is the truth in this life. Satan is at work. There is evil in the world. There is evil in our own hearts. And we are to do battle. To turn back the battle at the gate. Or as Ezekiel talked about, someone to stand in the gap to say, I will not move. I will defend what is right. I will stand for the gospel. I will stand for God and His truth. And I will not let it, uh, over the world be overcome without the truth being heard. So even now there is authority and a crown to wear as Christians to be those who turn back the battle at the gate, to be those who stand in the gap. And how to do that? Psalm 103. Verse 4 says, God crowns you. God crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. The crown we wear from God is love and compassion. By this, all people know you are his disciples if you love one another. He gives us the crown of love and compassion to live lives that way for the truth of God. (coughs) We are a royal priesthood, we're to be kings. For who else would it be priests? What a priest. Priests are those who offer sacrifice. Wait a minute. Since Jesus, once for all time, sacrificed Himself for our sins, what sacrifice is there to be made, according to the Bible? There's no more need for a blood sacrifice. So the Bible tells us, 1 Peter 2, verse 5, it says, You are a holy priesthood, offering offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. what What are spiritual sacrifices? Romans 12, verse 1 says, Offer your bodies as spiritual sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Your very life, your very body is not your own. It belongs to God. And you're to offer yourself, your body, as a spiritual sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What are spiritual sacrifices? Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Therefore through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. There it tells us what spiritual sacrifices are. To praise God. To thank God daily, all the time. To not only that, to be one who confesses and witnesses with your lips that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you belong to Him. To confess and witness with your lips what God has done and wants to do in the lives of other people. That's the spiritual sacrifice God wants us to do. What are the spiritual sacrifices? To love others. To do good. To share and care for the needs of of other people. There's a lot that goes into being a royal priesthood. To live your life as a child of the king with authority and power and to live your life as a priest offering spiritual sacrifices. We looked a couple of weeks ago about being a noble Christian. Royalty is nobility. Royalty is nobility. The Bereans were noble. Why? Why? Because they searched the Scriptures to make sure that Jesus Christ was the real deal. They were noble because they searched the Scriptures. To be a royal priesthood, a king, you need to search the Scriptures. The kings of Israel were commanded when they became kings to make a copy of God's Word with their own hand and then to refer to it daily. And this read it daily. That's found in Deuteronomy 17. Verse 18, God even told Joshua when he led the people in to conquer Canaan to meditate day and night on the Word of God. Do you have an excuse not to do that? Think about Joshua. Joshua said, man, this is, this is a busy time, God. I've got to lead a couple million people across the Jordan. I've got to lead them into battle. I've got to figure out a plan. I, I've got logistics to take care of. How are we going to do this? I'm so busy. I don't have time for that. That's one of the number one things God commanded Joshua to do. To meditate day and night on His Word. What excuse do you have not to do that? To be a royal, noble priesthood. The kings were commanded to do that from what I can tell in the Bible is that few of them ever did. If any of them ever did. But that was their duty as a king. If you're going to be a priest, you would need to know the Scriptures if that's your calling so you would know how to do your calling correctly. But many times throughout the history of Israel, the priests ignored the Bible and did whatever pleased themselves and the people. The kings ignored it. The priests ignored it. We are saved by the blood of Christ to be a royal priesthood. And to be a king and a priest means, means being someone who studies the Bible and applies it daily in your living. Not making excuses that, oh, it's too outdated. I don't have time. I don't understand it. No. Let God speak to you through the Word so that you will be a royal priesthood. So we're looking at Isaiah 28. Isaiah was a prophet of God from about 750 to 700 B.C. This chapter 28, he prophesies against the northern kingdom Of Israel. Isaiah lived to see Israel destroyed and taken away as captives to a far land by the Assyrians out of Nineveh. Why were they judged by God that way? Because Israel pursued the world, they conformed to the world. We looked at that last week, conforming to the world in greed and in the pursuit of pleasure. They once, many of them worshiped Baal and idol temples were in that time were nothing more than a combination of banks and bars and brothels, pursuit of greed and the pursuit of selfish pleasure. And so Isaiah speaks <coughs> to the northern kingdom of Israel in verse one. <clears throat> Woe to that crown, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards to the fading flower, his glorious beauty. Set on the head of a fertile valley to that city, the pride of those laid low by wine. Verse 7, And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit. And there is not a spot without filth. Isaiah pronounces a prophecy on the northern kingdom of Israel, also called Ephraim. And he talks about crowns. And he talks about priests and prophets. And he says the problem they've got in common is drunkenness. They pursued and conformed to the world. And that's all they have to pursue. Priests and kings in the Bible were warned against drunkenness. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 8 through 11, the priests were specifically warned if you're going to go serve in the temple, there better not be any alcohol in you. God will judge you for that. If you're going to go serve in the temple, don't do that. Go and serve in the temple, go home. Drink at home, whatever you want to do. But as Christians, we are called to live for Jesus 24-7, to be a royal priesthood 24-7, to die daily to ourselves, to always be a royal priesthood. The kings were warned. Proverbs 31 verse 4 says, It is not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprived all the oppressed of their rights. A royal priesthood in ancient times, kings and priests were told to avoid alcohol, and we, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, are called to be a royal priesthood daily before Him. In the United States today, every single year, about 90,000 Americans die from alcohol-related issues. In the United States today, every year, about 100,000 Americans die of drug overdoses. Each and every year. The Bible's clear. Do not be foolish, Ephesians 5.17 says. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Romans 13, verses 13 said, Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature, the flesh. To be a royal priesthood says avoid these things. Avoid these things. Some people bring up deflections and sidetrack the issue. And uh, one of the deflections and sidetracking is talk about gluttony. In the Bible, gluttony is often paired with drunkenness, so they're the same thing, right? The Roman Catholic tradition has the seven deadly sins, and one of them is gluttony, but not drunkenness. I guess drunkenness is supposed to be assumed under gluttony uh but uh, there is a difference there the Hebrew word for drunkenness relates to quantity too much quantity the Hebrew word for glutton has the meaning of attitude to take it lightly to have a trivial attitude towards food a wasteful attitude towards food these things are hardly comparable it's the sidetracking. It's the deflection. It's unlikely that gluttony ever results in the loss of self-control leading to verbal abuse or physical abuse and fights. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Beer is a brawler and wine is a mocker. That's what it leads to. It is unlikely that gluttony ever results in the loss of self-control so that a person becomes sexually immoral. It's unlikely that gluttony ever results in broken marriages and broken homes. There is no comparison between drunkenness and gluttony. It's the deflection, a sidetracking. Another deflection, another sidetracking is the attitude of saying, well, it's only bad if there's an addiction involved. If someone's an alcoholic, that they just can't help themselves and keep on... Drinking and drinking and drinking till their liver's shot, whatever else. And yes, it is bad if a person's addicted, but what's the truth of the scripture, the truth of God? You may only get drunk once in your whole life, but that once is still wrong, and it's still sin. It's still wrong, and it's still sin. It's like saying, it's like saying, one or two murders is not bad, but don't be a serial killer, okay? Or it's like saying, hey, you know, if you sleep with two or three people, that's one thing, but don't don't sleep with dozens. That's, that's bad. That's bad. No. Bad is bad. Wrong is wrong. And the truth is what? When it comes to sexual immorality, you can only give your virginity once to one person. And that's the truth. That's the truth. How much better to go with God's plan of marriage. One man, one woman devoted to one another. It's a deflection as if it's only bad if there's an addiction. As far as we know, Noah only got drunk once in his life. Okay? And when he did, he lost self-control. He sinned against God. It caused problems in the family. With one of his three sons and with the grandson... And Noah ended up cursing one of his sons and one of his grandsons. Devastating, long-lasting effects because he only got drunk once. As far as we know from the Scripture, Lot only got drunk twice in his lifetime. But when he did, he lost self control and he fathered children by his daughters who became the nations of Ammon and Moab, who have become lifelong enemies to God's chosen people, Israel, up to and including today. The truth is, yes, we live in human flesh. Yes, you and I are likely to sin. But by faith we can know there's always forgiveness. There's always hope. There's always today to live for the Lord Jesus There's always the opportunity to turn around, to turn away from sin, and to start fresh by the grace of God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. But He saved us that we might be a royal priesthood. That we might be kings and priests. What does that mean to live for Jesus as kings and priests? It means living with the authority and power of the Scripture the power of the Holy Spirit to know that we are children of the King of kings means to offer spiritual sacrifices of your body. Scripture says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who you have in you? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body with spiritual sacrifices of praise and thanks. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Those are spiritual sacrifices. And spiritual sacrifices to do good, to share and to care for others, to love your neighbor as yourself. These are spiritual sacrifices that please the Lord. We're called to be kings and priests. Authority, power, spiritual sacrifices. How else? We're to live as kings and priest, to be a student of the Bible without excuse, to daily go to the Lord, to meditate on His Word, to be guided by it, to be corrected by it, to be encouraged by it, to be trained by it, to live as a king and a priest in this world. What does it mean to live as kings and priests? To live as kings and priests and avoid the pitfalls of alcohol and drugs. To live as free people, but not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, <coughs> for your great mercy and grace that we can find forgiveness through the blood of Christ and it's complete and perfect and lasting. Lord, help us to be led by your Spirit in all that we do that it might be seen in our lives that we are a royal priesthood bought by Your Son, a royal priesthood in all that we do, and all that we say, how we conduct our lives, that You might have the glory and the honor through Christ. Amen.